Welcome to the Multifamily Mavericks Podcast, hosted by Josiah Smelser and Megan Greathouse. This is your one-stop shop for building and growing your multifamily business. Join us on a weekly basis as we crack the code to multifamily investing and scale up to financial freedom. And now your hosts, Josiah and Megan. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Multifamily Mavericks Podcast. I am Megan, here with Josiah. How are you doing today, Josiah? I'm doing awesome, Megan. Um, I'm excited for another episode. Uh, This one's awesome. I learned so much. And yeah, I can't wait for everybody to hear about our guest. Yeah, it's funny. I've been working a lot in QuickBooks recently, trying to get some things shored up and talking with my CPA about making sure everything's running smoothly and I've got everything in order. Uh, and, and talking with Yona today, our guest name is Yona Weiss, um, opened my mind up to a whole bunch more questions that I need to be asking my CPA. So Yona, in addition to having some investing background and kind of being in the same place as Josiah and I are, where he's looking to get into some bigger deals, uh, he is an expert on cost segregation. And that's his, his day job is he helps real estate investors with cost segregation on their properties. Uh, So Josiah and I really got to dig in and ask him some nitty gritty questions about how that actually works and what it means for our businesses. Yeah, so cost segregation is something that, I mean, especially as you start accumulating more and more real estate properties and higher dollar properties like multifamily deals, this is something that can save you a ton of money in taxes. And if you're an active real estate participant, which many of you are, I am, um, this is something I've looked into before and I've, I've actually asked a number of CPAs about and some of the CPAs don't know so much about it, but um, Yona's company does this process um, and, and then you can get the study done take this study to your CPA and then they can use this on your tax return going into next year. And this can save you a ton of money. So anytime it comes to figuring out how to pay less in taxes legally and saving yourselves a ton of money, which you can then use as investment capital going forward, this is a a good thing to tune into. So on top of that, this dude's got an amazing beard, which I got some beard (laughs) envy going on. Um, and just a, just an enjoyable character. So I think you're really gonna have fun with this. So um, without further ado, let's dive into the episode. Before we get started, let's take this opportunity to get connected. You can find me on Instagram at Daily Real Estate Investor. You can find Megan on Instagram at Part Time Empire, and our show on Instagram at Multifamily Mavericks. We're also both on LinkedIn. And if you're a multifamily investor, a multifamily syndicator a mom and pop owner, want to partner with us on a deal, or even have a deal you want to sell, get in touch with us. We want to hear from you. Shoot us a message through Instagram or LinkedIn, and let's get to know each other. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Multifamily Mavericks podcast. I am Megan Greathouse here with Josiah Smelzer, and today we are really excited to be interviewing Yona Weiss. Yona, how are you doing? I'm still doing great. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. We may or may not have started recording, realized there was a glitch, stopped and started over. (laughs) So thank you, Yona, for sticking in here with us. Um, Today, we're going to talk with Yona, not only about his own experience in real estate and some of the stuff he's done getting started, some flips, what he wants to do next, but also talk with him about cost segregation, which is what he um, spends lots of his time doing as his career. So 
before we dig into all those little pieces, Yona, would you like to just give us a little bit of a background on who you are? Sure, absolutely. Um, actually, I, I spent a, a large part of my uh, time before I got involved in real estate as a teacher. And that's really something that has, is, is really a passion of mine. And I, I love that. And it kind of spills over to everything that I do. And when I got involved in real estate about five years ago, I was really new to it. I had, you know, had no involvement whatsoever and I have a thirst for learning. So I just started learning from all different people and got involved in the commercial mortgage side for a little bit. And then a real estate broker for, for a little while, just trying to learn the ropes and learn everything there was to know about commercial real estate, about residential real estate. Um, eventually I found this great company I work for Madison commercial real estate services, which Madison specs is the company I work for within that company. It's a kind of a branch of the company, which were the largest national cost segregation firm. And that's allowed me to kind of have a bird's eye view of the entire, you know, mark, every market in the country, because I'm working with hundreds of investors across the country in every asset class. But not only that, it I mean, it really allows me just to network and rub shoulders with some of these awesome people. And that more than anything kind of inspired me to say, well, these people are doing something incredible you know, by investing in multifamily, for example, other asset classes as well, I'd like to do the same. I'd like to, you know, kind of follow that path. And that's, that's kind of where, you know, where I'm at right now. That's awesome. And Yona, what, what part of the country do you live in? Um, in? New Jersey. Okay, gotcha. And so you've done a little bit of investing there in New Jersey, or has it been outside of New Jersey? Yeah, all, all in New Jersey. We did uh, about four years ago or so, we did about five fix and flips which was a really interesting experience uh, did with a partner. And that was something I learned really quickly. Um, you know, we kind of got involved one after the next and they were all kind of functioning the same time and learned really quickly that it was not for me. It was just too overwhelming. It was not something I was good at. So I decided, Hey, let's put my use, you know, my skills and, and what I'm good at and let's find, you know, something that, that fits that model better. Awesome. So I know we're going to want to dig into cost segregation. I think every investor has heard of it, but many of us probably don't know the ins and outs or fully understand it. But before we do, maybe just tell us a little bit about your own plans in real estate going forward, because I think you have some somewhat similar goals to what Josiah and I are working on. Absolutely. Um, you know, like I said, I was kind of inspired by a lot of people and I've been a guest on over a hundred podcasts already. And, you know, wow. when you talk to these people, who are you know running the podcast? Most of them are investors themselves and are you know using this as a as a great uh, tool, a great you know platform to, as a thought leadership. And I've been able to speak with so many people through that. I literally was like, hey, I really need to to learn what they're doing and not just help them in in what they're doing. And so. I realized I don't really have a lot of experience in the operation side of things, but I went to, you know, Rod Khalif uh, boot camp, and, you know, I've been speaking to, read a lot of books and all the kind of stuff, listening to the podcast, realized I got to just take action, right? You just got to get involved. You just got to jump in. So what I am good at is, you know, marketing. I'm really good at um, business development. I'm good at uh, sales or, or um, raising, raising funds. I actually worked for a, as a, I had a nonprofit organization as a fundraiser, you know, I worked for, for several years. So I have experience in all those things. And my, I think yeah, let's do that. So I'm working on finding the right partners. So I found the right partners for a deal back uh, at the beginning of the year. And we had a deal that was supposed to close um, down in Atlanta 
in the first week of April. And then guess what happened? Right? The whole country right, went into uh, shambles, basically. And the lender pulled out. And mm -hmm. we were left kind of high and dry at that point and decided to, to just uh, you know, pull out of that contract. Thank God we didn't have any hard money uh, down on that. And we were able to, to do that without any, you know, without any problem. So that's, that's kind of where I'm at. I'm trying to looking for you know, large, mid-sized to larger multifamily deals with the right partners and still, still kind of searching for the right partners also. I have not made any exclusive like company that now I'm with you know, so-and-so. Sure. That's where I'm at. I love it. We're Megan and I are both chasing down the same, the same type thing, looking for our first multifamily deal, done some investing in the one to four family space and are, are both excited to get into this new, new world. So that's the reason of starting this podcast, learning from people like you with your expertise in cost segregation, getting to network with all these people who are doing deals and also connect with people like you that are also trying to get your first deal because you know, you never know who you can end up working with. So that's what I love about all this stuff. Um, yeah. So first thing I got to say, I got some serious beard envy. You got an awesome <laughs> beard. <laughs> uh, how long have you been growing your beard? Um, you know, I don't want to give away my age or anything like that, but it's probably, it's, I, I haven't, haven't cut it really. So it's, it, that's why it's, it's so long. Ah. You know, no, no trimming going on. So very nice. I don't know, 20 years or 20 so years since it's been, since I've got, it's been, well, uh, if I start today, 20 years, I could, <laughs> yeah, you'd probably, your years in 20 years will probably be to the floor. So, well, you know, uh, it's interesting how, you know, how hair works. Some, so you lose some, some grows, it changes shape. That's true. So, that's know. true. That's true. Well, and then, so when we logged on, I was asking, uh, Yona what his background was and he was like, do you recognize this? And it's actually Huntsville. So, uh, he jumped on and downloaded a screen and threw it up there my, where I live. So he, he caught me <laughs> off guard, which I love. Um, all right. So let's get into, uh, you're, you're a teacher. You love teaching. I formally taught for two years. I taught finance on the college level for two years. I really loved it. I, I kind of miss it. They wanted me to go get my PhD and they wanted me to give them a 12 year commitment to pay for that. And I was just like, I, I'm really wanting to start my own business. So I, I left, but I, I could see myself doing that again at some point because I really enjoy, you know, teaching and helping people learn new things and put new things into practice. That's one reason I love podcasting so much. It's, it's fun to, you know, discover new things and help, help others learn as well at the same yeah. time that I'm learning. Absolutely. So educate Absolutely. us on, educate us on the cost segregation study and how that works. Uh, yeah, it, it's something interesting. People may have heard the term and, and nowadays it's become a lot more, um, prevalent people have heard about it it's been in the news because of the tax reform a few years ago uh the tax cuts and job there's a, there's a big change to concept. it became a lot more popular and you know maybe it has to do with me being on hundreds of podcasts like that might help as well with spreading the word <laughs> about it but what's funny is that a lot of people still don't know about it i can't tell you how many people even accountants that don't really know about it and part of the reason why that is is because it's an accounting thing right it's accounting method however it involves an engineering process which means accountants don't do this on their own they can apply the results of it but they need the engineering component which is why there are companies like ours that specialize in this um so essentially what it is is depreciation and it's accelerated depreciation, a more advanced form of depreciation. And everyone knows if you're investing in real estate, any investment or business property, any property whatsoever, besides your personal residence, 
has a tax deduction called depreciation. And not to be confused with the actual term word depreciation, because that's like a, a negative connotation. People think about it like, yeah, something's going down in value. The depreciation, the tax deduction is really a borrowed term based on the concept that things go down in value on as time goes on. However, it's really not about that. It's about the government incentivizing you for buying real estate and saying that, you know, as your property, uh, as you own the property, it's going down in value. As time goes on, we're going to allow you to take a tax write-off based on that value. And the reason, main reason why that's a, a borrowed term is because it starts that depreciation schedule. The amount of time you're allowed to write off the value of a property is for residential properties over 27 and a half year period or over commercial, other types of commercial properties besides multifamily, it's over a 39 year period. So essentially you take the purchase price, whatever you spent, whatever, not you spent, but whatever the, the purchase price was, and you divide that by 27 and a half. And that's the amount of tax deduction from your income taxes you can take every single year. But it's a borrowed term because it starts, that schedule starts the day you buy the property, not the day the property was built. So assuming that, yeah, maybe things are going down in value, right? The wall, the roof needs to be replaced, et cetera, things like that. But it's only relative to when you bought the property and based on the purchase price that you spent. So it's totally relative. You can buy a property today for a million dollars and then sell it five years from now for $5 million. The new buyer gets to start the tax write-off you know, over that schedule over based on the $5 million value. So it's kind of relative in that regard. So that's in a, in a nutshell what depreciation is. Okay. <laughs> Cost segregation. And it's important to understand that because a lot of people are confused. What's this depreciation? And that's a great thing. It's a, it's a great tax write-off. You usually get about two to 3% of the purchase price as a tax um, deduction every single year. That's what depreciation is. Cost segregation is just an advanced form of that. It's literally segregating the cost means, and it's a weird name, right? But it's, it's breaking down the cost of the building into different parts that depreciate over a shorter lifespan, okay? So you can accelerate those assets at a faster rate. You're, what we're doing essentially is an engineer coming to the property, identifying all the things that um, according to the IRS, depreciate on a different schedule. So for example, personal property, anything that's in the building, equipment or furniture or appliances, even things that you wouldn't think of like carpeting and cabinets and things like that are all on a five-year schedule, which means the value of those things can now be taken as a tax write-off over a five-year period. Hmm. In a that's interesting. Yeah. So it's, it sounds very different from, I think, how many of us, especially those who have been in the one to four family space, think about depreciation. Um, I guess, why, why isn't this done kind of as the standard? It sounds like there's maybe a lot of work that goes into it, but, but tell us a little bit about why everyone isn't always doing cost segregation. Right. No, that's, that's a great question. It's probably part of the reason why, you know, smaller investors, people on, you know, one to four family, what, what are, are not even exposed to this. Um, so part of the reason, there's really two reasons why everyone is not doing this. But even before I get to those two reasons, I'll preface with this is actually the correct form to depreciate your property. According to the tax code, right, there's something called a modified adjusted gross uh, cost recovery system, the MACRIS, you can Google that. And that system is what 
defines the useful life of every type of asset. So it says that buildings structural is on a 27 and a half year schedule, right? That's the cost recovery system that that's why you can take that depreciation deduction, personal property. That's on a five year schedule. And there's a bunch of other things. I'm just simplifying it. So the two, so it really should be done that way, but why is it not done that way? So two reasons. One is as to paraphrase Tom Wheelwright in his book, tax-free wealth, right? It's a great book. You can check, um, he has a whole chapter on depreciation. And he says, even though cost segregation is something that everyone should be doing um, according to the tax code, they don't require it because they know that the, you know, the ignorance or laziness of the taxpayer and or their accountants will just create more revenue for the US government. Hmm. So they're not interested in telling you and, and requiring you to take all the deductions that you can take. Right. You have to, you have to figure that out on your own. Right. Right. <laughs> it's crazy. Right. They say, well, you know how much you made, right. And you have to pay taxes on it. Right. You have to figure out how much you owe in taxes. And so that's kind of the weird system that we're in here. That's one reason. The second reason is because it actually costs money. You have to hire a firm. This is not something that accountants can do on their own. So if you hire, you have everyone as an accountant, right. Or some people doing their own taxes, whatever TurboTax, but to go ahead and hire a third party firm to come an engineering firm to come and do this whole thing. Unless someone tells you about this, right. You educate yourself. You don't even know they exist. And a lot of accountants aren't proactive enough to tell people about this. So a lot of people are just missing out and there's a cost involved in that. So at what point does it even make sense? At what point does it even start uh, making sense and or dollars, right? <laughs> how much, how much does it cost and how much are you actually going to be saving by doing this? So, it's really a percentage thing. It's, it's proportionate to the purchase price, how much you can depreciate, how much your tax benefit is gonna be by performing the study. And so smaller properties, especially single family, multi, you know, small multifamily may not have that benefit. There just might not be a lot of tax benefit there. So to spend, you know, let's say a few thousand dollars, which is, you know, how much it might cost. If you're not gonna get that tax deductions or the tax benefit from doing that, it's not even worth, not worth the time. So that's probably why smaller property owners may not even have heard of it because it's not really relevant to them. That makes sense. And I mean, there's always the, the cost side of the situation and you've got to weigh that. I guess for someone who's got maybe, they've, they have one single families or duplexes and, and four families, but they have many of them. Does mm -hmm. it ever make sense in that case to kind of look at the portfolio more holistically and see does segregation work at this stage or does it really mostly make sense for larger multifamily buildings? Well, it's looked at, and it's a great question. And I get this a lot. It, each property is looked at individually um, because what we're, what we're doing is we're doing, we're looking at the depreciation schedule and we are just creating a more advanced depreciation schedule for each property. Um, so the cost is going to be on a per property basis, unless they're bought as a portfolio and, and like depreciating together. Um, however, that being said, there are still times when it might make sense when you're looking at a portfolio, especially if you can, you know, if you are a real estate professional, which is a great thing to be that status of real estate professional actually allows you to take the deductions from cost segregation, the de depreciation deductions, and use it to offset your active income or any ordinary income as well. So that's really where it's going to be beneficial more than, than any other person. You might want to do it on, on a large number of properties to get as much tax deductions as you can possibly get if it's going to be helpful to you. So it's relative, 
but yes, there are times when it might make sense. I love this. Uh, and it makes sense that your average CPA is not necessarily going to be able to do this because it requires an actual study of the property and itemizing out, if I'm understanding this correctly, itemizing out what's there. Yeah. And then you're, you're depreciating those items at a different rate from one another. So, you know, the, uh, give, give me, give me an example of some items that you're going to break out and the different depreciation schedules of those items, just so we can track with this. Sure. Absolutely. And, and you're exactly right in saying that's, that's what we're doing. The engineer is identifying what those items are creating a study. So some items, there's really four main categories in, in cost segregation. We're looking at depreciation. There's land, land itself does not depreciate. So whenever you buy a building, you're always going to have to separate a small percentage, a certain, certain percentage, usually between 10, 20%, something like that. That's going to be land. That's not going to be within the realm of what you can depreciate. The other three categories are the main things. There's one, the structural components of the building, and that's still going to depreciate on a 27 and a half year or 39 year schedule. But what's broken out from that, and, and usually people are doing what's called straight line depreciation, mm -hmm. lumping everything together yeah. on that you know, on that 27 year schedule breaking out, there's two categories, main categories that are broken out from the cost segregation. There's five year property, which is considered personal property. And then there's 15 year property, which is land improvements. Mm. Okay. So I'll give you some examples of what those things are. And there are a couple other things depending certain types of commercial buildings have other things um, that are on a seven or 10 um, or even a 20 year schedule, but they're very few and far between. So I'll give you a couple of examples, but it's very uncommon. The five-year property, personal property is like, like I mentioned, anything that's like movable, but really anything that's not part of the structure. If you think of the structure is like the walls, the floor, the roof, right? The uh, main plumbing and main electrical, those are integral to the property, windows and doors as well. But basically anything that's not part of that, window treatments, okay, blinds, any type of furniture, appliances, carpeting, vinyl flooring, that stuff comes off. It's not part of the structure. Um, countertops, fixtures, types of even millwork and things like that, that's not part of the structure. So you have a lot of these different things or special purpose lighting, special purpose, you know, plumbing, basically anything outside of the main plumbing line. You have, you know, pipes coming from the main into the sink that, you know, those uh, types of plumbing lines or individual HVAC units, all of those things are considered personal property, which when the study is all, all done and complete, it can be literally on a multifamily property, you know, 20, 20% of that building is mm -hmm. in this personal property, which is a huge amount. You know, you're sure. talking about a million, million dollar building, you're talking about $200,000 of, of upfront extra depreciation. Yeah. That's a huge. The other category, which is land improvements. It's interesting because land doesn't depreciate, but what's on top of the land does. So anything outside of the building, and that includes landscaping or pavement, concrete, right? Asphalt. We have a parking lot, sidewalks, you know, walkways, all the, those assets are identified. Um, the engineer, you know, identifies how much there is of it, how much square footage. And then there's a literally a cost of basis to each thing. And that's where we're applying those values. And then we're going to be able to accelerate that to a 15 year schedule. Nice. I love it. And so, I mean, this, to me, it's obvious the benefit this has for apartments, right? So yeah. if I'm an active participant, active participant, meaning that I spend more than half of my time in an active role working yeah. in real estate, and you can talk to, you can 
dig into the qualifications to be considered an active participant. I am. So I'm an appraiser. I'm also an investor. I'm also a licensed broker. I qualify here. So this is why I've looked into this so much. Right. Um, so on an apartment complex, um, let's, let's, let's run through some numbers here, hypothetically. Sure. Okay. Let's say we bought this apartment complex for a million dollars, $200,000 of value is assigned to the land. So we've got right. $800,000 on straight line. We're going to depreciate that over what is it? 27.5 years or 39? 27 and a half years. 27 yeah, and a half years. So you Multifamily take that, is still yeah. considered residential for, for this purpose. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to take that 800 divided by 27.5 and that's your depreciation number for the year. Right. Approximately $30,000. Right. So when we go the route that Yona's talking about and do this cost segregation study, what kind of depreciation could we in theory come up with here? Like, I know you can't tell me without looking at the building, but 30,000 averages. Yeah. Yeah. If 30,000 is the straight line amount here, what would, what could we come up with with a cost segregation study? So what we're doing is we're, we're front loading, you know, the personal property to a five-year schedule. So over the first five sure. years, what you're going to get is an extra, let's say 20%. And that's pretty average for multifamily buildings in the five-year category. Um, yeah. It could be, you know, could be closer to 10 or 15 or sometimes even a little bit more uh, depending on what's in there. But let's just take 20%. It's a round number. That means $160,000, right? Of extra depreciation on top of 30,000 is going to be put into that, uh, in the, over those first five years. So we divide that, it's an extra uh, $40,000 a year, right? Yeah. That's, that's tremendous. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if you're making $200,000, you would have had 30,000 in depreciation. Now you've got 70. So, you know, when you, when you end up in a high marginal tax bracket where you're paying 33% of every dollar out the door and you get $40,000 of extra tax savings, um, that could be saving you 12 grand in taxes. So, yeah. and, and now multiply these numbers and say you own three apartment complexes, this starts making a huge difference in tax savings. And what you can do with the money you're saving in taxes is go invest in more properties. This is why yeah. this is such a game changer. Um, like what's, g- give me an example of the most amount of money you've seen saved for someone who's used this process. Give me some examples, if you will. Sure. And before I do that, I'm going to preface with how they can make that savings. Okay. Because there's a new law that was introduced a couple of years ago called sure. bonus depreciation and I bonus like depreciation. Yeah. You get bonus. <laughs> Everyone loves a bonus, right? But it's called 100% bonus depreciation actually allows you. Okay. And this is crazy how they made this law, but this is unbelievable. You're allowed to take, and this is an election. You can choose to use this or not. You can take all of the accelerated depreciation um, so all of that five-year and 15-year property that were anyways accelerating to a faster rate, and you can choose to take that all in the first year as a ta- one-year tax deduction in one lump sum. So oh, when you were talking about the 200000 right, or the you know, $160,000, 20% of that, add on the 15-year property, which may be you know, another $50,000 or so, because land improvements is, is usually less, you're talking about maybe $200,000 that now you can take in the first year as a tax deduction. So in your example, you're making 200 grand. Guess what? If you're a real estate professional, now you have $200,000 of tax deductions, you're paying zero taxes. Mm. So you're saving, you know, a huge amount of money. And that's really where this strategy comes into play and, and makes the most sense is when you're using that bonus depreciation and you're knocking off all of your income tax. So that's a preface. Um, 
there are certain types of asset classes. I'm going to talk only about multifamily here, but just to kind of throw out there, because there are certain types of asset classes that have a huge amount of depreciation. Instead of a 20% reallocation, you know, it can be upwards of 50, 60, 70% reallocation, which is is rare, uh, but there are like golf courses and RV parks and mobile home parks, things where there's not much there. You just own basically the land improvements, mm-hmm. um, right? The golf course is just like landscaping, right? Mm-hmm. A mobile home park is just like the pavement. If you don't own the actual homes, you just own the, the land. Um, RV parks, the same thing. So there we can get like 80% of, of reallocation. So on a million dollar mm-hmm. property, a first year $800,000 tax deduction, Sounds pretty good. Whoa. Right. Especially when you're not putting yeah. down all that money. Yeah. Right? No this kidding. Is great thing about depreciation is that it's based on your purchase price, not on the actual money that you spent out of pocket. I've got a, I've got an idea for a shirt for you. I think you need to, I think you need to create a shirt that says I love depreciation and start selling it and advertise it on all your podcasts. Like if you wore this shirt, it would be the funniest thing. And I mean, how much money does depreciation save in real estate investors? This is like one of the very best parts of real estate investing. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, we as a firm, we've been in business for 15 years or so. We haven't done all the calculations, but it's upwards of $3 billion of what we've saved uh, people. That's insane. Wow. That is, that is huge. And I think, again, we talked about how this probably makes the most sense or happens the most often with largest, larger multifamily. I think for those of us who are, you know, maybe just a handful of years into investing and have mostly duplexes and fourplexes, you haven't thought a ton about depreciation. I think in the early stages, you think about cash flow and, and kind of hope for some appreciation. You know, depreciation is there and that's a, a nice benefit, but you don't think too much about it. Um, so, I mean, frankly, it's something I don't think about. I haven't thought that far ahead in some ways. Um, I think one question I have about cost segregation is what happens? You know, you've got five a five-year schedule for some of these mm-hmm. things. And then, you know, that, that benefit goes away. But then when you replace, is there something else that that, that triggers? What happens after those five and 15-year periods? Absolutely. That's a great question. Um, so yeah, what we're doing is we are reallocating, right? We're front loading these tax deductions. We're not creating them out of thin air. Okay. So yeah, what we're doing, we're front loading them. So we're taking a lot in the first year or the first, you know, first five years, what happens after that in a box in a bubble, if you're looking at just one property, then, you know, after year five, or if you take the bonus depreciation after the first year, you have less depreciation. So if you've taken 20% in the first year, so from year two, you're only going to be getting 80% of your, what you would have gotten from depreciation. So in your, our example of the $30,000 a year, what you could have taken every year, instead you'd like to take in the first year, $200,000 of deductions. And then year two and onwards, it's going to be, you know, you're going to reduce that to 80% of the 30,000. So, you know, about $24,000 a year. Okay. That's, mm-hmm. that's what you're, what's going to happen in a bubble. Okay. In a bubble. Cause if you're just looking at one property, where this makes the most sense and how this is going to affect people the best way is when you have multiple properties. Okay. If you are using this as a tax strategy to increase your cash flow and to, you know, lower your tax liability, then you can use depreciation from one property to the rest, right? It's not like it's just limited to the income from that property. You can actually, even if you're not an active real estate professional, you can still use cost segregation to offset income from all of your properties, hmm. depreciation to go off all of your rental income. 
um, as a portfolio. So that's the best thing to do. The other thing that you have to know is that there's something called depreciation recapture tax, okay? Which is like the most evil of things in the world, right? <laughs> Especially, you know, when I say I, a t-shirt that says I love depreciation, right? On the back, right? It's got to say like- I hate re recapture, recapture tax. tax right? <laughs> Uh, please, right. I, I'll buy one of those. Make, please make one of those. I'll wear that For around sure. all day, every day. You've got two sales right here, Yona. There we go. <laughs> I, I got to get working on the merch. It's you know? <laughs> awesome. So that's, that's great though. That makes a ton of sense, you know, especially as you think about with each new acquisition, most of us, I would think, or so many of us are looking for value add properties. There's going to be some stabilization period. Um, so being able to front load some of that um, tax benefit makes a ton of sense. And it can spill over to your other properties as well that are probably hopefully at that point running better and more efficiently and cash flowing better. Right. Um, so that makes a ton of sense. Thank you for walking us through that. Tell us a little bit more. You mentioned recapture. Yes, sure. it feels None of us like to think about that point. Hopefully you're avoiding it in some way, but what do people need to think about when they're thinking yeah. about depreciation recapture? Sure. And you have to, because again, it's all part of your tax plan is planning your tax strategy. Um, people think of taxes and they think about, you know, their accountant and they might just like forget about it and think that someone else is going to deal with it. And they don't necessarily have a strategy or have planning. They think about filing and, and that's, that's kind of a wrong approach to it. Um, especially if you're a real estate investor. So when you sell a property, okay, you have two main things that are going to happen with taxes. One is capital gains tax, which means if you made a profit on the sale, you have to pay a tax on that profit. Um, depreciation recapture is that all the depreciation that you took during the lifetime of ownership, you now have to pay a tax on that amount as well. Now, it's not what it sounds like recapture. You have to now pay back the depreciation. It's not like that. It's really just, it's a tax that now you have to pay. However, there's a few things you have to know about this. One is that there are ways around this. Okay. There's ways just like income tax, right? There's deductions and there's things and there's strategies to get around that. There's also, you know, similarly uh, ways to get around that as well. And the first and foremost that people know about is called a 1031 exchange. Okay, 1031 exchange, especially people in the residential know all about this, right? You're, you're trading up, right? You're trading a property instead of selling it through this special process. When you do that, you're not only deferring the capital gains tax, you're also deferring the depreciation recapture tax. So you're able to push that down the road as well. Um, the second way to, to know about is that when you're a real estate professional, okay, and you have uh, these, you're able to use your passive losses, which means any extra deductions that you have beyond the income, which if you're doing bonus depreciation, oftentimes you have a lot of extra income, uh, extra losses, excuse me, to offset your income. You can use those losses to offset that recapture tax as well. So it's all, it's all about the tax planning and not just about thinking about it in a box, like, okay, I have this, I'm taking this now, I'm selling it later, what am I gonna do? If you're just a one property guy and like, that's it, then it probably may not make sense to do cost segregation because you want to make sure to you know plan accordingly and see what your business plan is. It might because again, you know, you have that cash flow now. You can the time value of money. You can reinvest it. Sure, you're going to pay tax later instead of paying taxes now. But what can you do with that money in the meantime, right? Besides for inflation, right, which is two to three percent a year, right? You're you're anyways making money by by using your own money now or taking it now as opposed to uh, waiting later. And then the third and, and final 
not final, but a third and very you know common way to do to get around the debris capture tax as well is something called partial asset disposition. Okay, which is a kind of strange strategy, but a lot of accountants use this, which is that there are, you're able to when you sell a property, and this goes also if you just replace something in the building, um, you're able to assign a short, a lesser value to that thing. So partial asset disposition is like this. If you own a refrigerator, okay, and you replace your refrigerator, okay, when you do a cost segregation, you're identifying the value of the five-year, the personal property, right? You said that the refrigerator is worth $1,000, right? And the HVAC system and the appliances and the furniture and all that stuff, you know, added up to 20% of the value of the property, right? Guess what? After five years of holding a property, and this can be true if you hold it for a lesser time as well, but let's just keep it simple. After five years, you basically have said, I've used up, there's no more value in this, right? It has no value to it from a tax perspective. Guess what? You can do what's called partial asset disposition. It's a form you fill upon the sale of a property, a tax form that allows you to allocate little to no value to those assets. If there's no more value left in them, then there's no recapture tax on that amount either. So another great way, a little bit complicated, right? But again, things that people need to know about that there are ways around. It's not just like this dreaded thing that you have to face. Wow. I don't, I didn't know about that part at all. I don't think I've heard that um, discussed before. So does that primarily apply to those five and 15 year type of things? And so the depreciation yes. recapture is primarily happening on the, the structure itself. Correct. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Very interesting. Jonah or Josiah, have you heard of that? No, I have not. <laughs> okay. I'm, no. I'm glad I'm not alone. I feel like yeah. I've at least looked into this a little bit and tried to do some homework, but um, that's completely new. So thank you, Yona. You are definitely teaching us today. Um, as I think you've given us a great overview so far of cost segregation. I guess I'm curious, you know, you just surprised both of us with that, that last bit of knowledge you dropped. Are there other things that you find that really surprise folks who haven't thought too much about cost segregation or maybe common misconceptions about cost segregation? I think the biggest misconception that people have is that it's just like, you know, you're, you're just kind of churning water, right? You're going to, you have these deductions, you're going to take them anyways down the road. So why take them now? And I think people just don't understand finances really well. And they don't understand if, if that's the case, because they don't understand that the time value of money, what you can do now, um, think about it like borrowing from, you know, an interest-free loan, basically borrowing from yourself, from your future self. Okay. Yeah. I might have to pay taxes later, but I'm not going to pay taxes now because of this. And with that strategy, that's really wealth building because if you understand compound interest and how that works, you know, someone who didn't use conservation might be making, you know, X, you know, over a five-year period, but someone who does use conservation is going to make 10 X that. Um, over a five-year period. And it's just simple, you know, math and finances to use your money, use that cash flow, and and take advantage of it. Well, and this stuff works because before I started my own real estate business, and my wife started her own business, and I started investing heavily in real estate, my wife and I had good incomes, but we were W-2, and we paid a lot of money in taxes. We We make, we gross more money now working for ourselves than we did before, and we paid the last two years, we paid zero in taxes due to, due to depreciation, all the business write-offs all, and everything's completely legal. We're not doing anything. We're not supposed to We're running it through our CPA. Um, we stay away from anything that's even gray area. Right. But the beauty of this kind of thing is if you understand and hire people that properly understand the tax code and how things are supposed to be done, 
they can save you a lot of money. So let me let me hit you with some rapid fire, quick questions on this with little nuances that are extremely difficult to find on Google. Okay. <laughs> All right. I know the number one question people are probably thinking right now that don't own apartments that own five single family houses. If I bought five single family houses at different times, could I hire your company to do a cost segregation study for me? And would that be beneficial to me if I have a little portfolio? Yeah. Like, like I said, let's say these are worth 150,000. Let's say these are worth 150,000 each. The Mm -hmm. land is 20,000. I I don't know. Just making the numbers up. Absolutely. So again, each property is going to be looked at individually. And so therefore the, you know, the benefit is going to be much, much less. Okay. And single families is going to be less than multifamilies because there's less personal property in there also. So it's not going to be 20%. It may be more like 10% um, of that value in that five-year property. So if you just make simple math, right? $150,000, 10% of that $15,000, is it going to be worth spending a few thousand dollars to get you know, $15,000? It might for some people, usually doesn't for a lot of people. But what we do all the time as, as a firm, as a service, is we provide a free upfront estimate or analysis of any property without having mm-hmm. to visit it, just based on the numbers, based on certain data. We're able to tell you upfront, so you can know, right? Um, look, do that analysis and tell you this doesn't make sense, right? <laughs> you're, sure. you're not gonna get anything out of this. Sure. So second question, if, if an active real estate participant is partnered up with a non-active real estate participant, as a lot of syndications are, how does that affect the ability to use this depreciation for both parties? Well, depreciation is going to be allocated usually, uh, you know, if it's a, if it's a partnership an LLC, whatever, it's going to be allocated usually based on the percentage of ownership. So there are ways of structuring it. And it's much more of a legal, uh, way of structuring the operating agreement that you might be able to allocate different, different things to different people, but keeping it simple, um, you may not, if the limited partner or whatever, one partner is not a real estate professional active professional, they're not going to be able to benefit from that depreciation. It's just going to knock off the income from the property, but sure. beyond that is just going to create a passive loss, which will carry forward. They can use it next year. They can use it in future years. However, it's not going to be as beneficial for them mm-hmm. as it will be the, uh, the other people. And I spoke to someone yesterday and literally he told me, Hey, I have limited partners. They're not real estate professionals. They not be, you know, be getting the maximum benefit out of it, but I am as the general partner. And, uh, and, and we do this in all our properties because it's going to be beneficial to me and uh, and that's worth it for, for me to me to spend the money to do that that makes sense um so so how long does something like let's say let's say we're doing this for an apartment complex and i want to hire your firm and, and you know i know nothing about how this process works outside right. of what you've just told us on here how long does this kind of study take to do and and how quickly can you use the study I guess, I'm guessing you can immediately put that into play for this tax year or how does that work? Correct. Yeah. The first thing we always provide this upfront estimate. So that's always the first step. So just education, you know, understand, is this worth it? Is it not worth it? And that usually takes just a couple of days to turn around. Um, when you do decide it does make sense, engage the firm. We have an engineers on staff. We'll send one of our engineers to the property. Now with COVID, we've created a smart tour where we're doing it digitally and virtually able to do it even not having to you know cut down the travel times and costs as well all in all creating this report getting it back and finished usually takes about four to six weeks 
However, uh, we're also ramping up this, uh, you know, building a software to really cut it down to, to a number of days. Sweet. Uh, so it's, it's really not a very, you know, time intensive process. And there's very little involvement because it, it's all, you know, it's all just, there's the little involvement of the site tour and, you know, some documents that we may need for, you know, the purchase uh, agreement and the, you know, closing statement appraisal, you know, just to verify information because we're creating a tax, you know, document. Everything needs to be official. Everything needs to be exact. Then at the end of the day, you have your study. It's, you know, 90, 100 page report that has this one page, which is the updated depreciation schedule. And that's all you need to take to your accountant mm. and say, plug this, these numbers in. What's, um, and that's pretty much it. When can you use this? Was your, your second question. And you know, how quickly can you use this? Depreciation starts the day that you buy a property. And so it's going to apply to the tax year that you bought it. Um, the study itself does not need to be completed in that tax year. You can actually get it as long as you have it done before you file for taxes. So it doesn't need to be done before the calendar year. And something I didn't mention either is that you can actually do this retroactively on properties that you owned, that you've you owned for a number of years that Sweet. you may not have known about this. You can go back without even having to amend any tax returns. You can catch up the missed depreciation by making an adjustment, filing a, a form and making an adjustment to your taxes and literally get like a huge chunk of depreciation mm. that you missed. Wow. This is great. And I feel like there's probably a lot of people out there right now <laughs> taking notes to go follow up immediately on all the properties they already have that they'd like to look into this for. Yona, this has been really helpful and informative. Thank you. Uh, we're going to give you a chance to let us know where people can reach out to you and, and learn more. And I know you have a podcast. We'd love for you to share information about that. But before we do that, we want to ask you one question that we ask every guest. And that is, and this will be interesting because you're in a, a more similar situation to me and Josiah in terms of your, your path here with your own real estate. Mm -hmm. If someone were to write you a $10 million check today and say, you can take this check, but you cannot touch real estate anymore. You can't invest in real estate. You can't be involved in real estate. If you take this check from me, would you take the check? Interesting question. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I think I would because there are, you know, obviously real estate is incredible. There's a lot that can be done with it and it's a great community, a great environment, but you know, there's a lot out there in the world and there's you know, plenty of businesses that uh, are successful, you know, in other ventures. And, you know, it's really just learning about finances and obviously real estate is probably one of the best that's out there, but it's not the only thing that's out there. Mm -hmm. Completely And fair. the amount of, the amount of charity that you can give with that is, you know, why would you turn that away? <laughs> right. I like it. <laughs> Yeah. Right. So what, what is that your, what is, we didn't even ask you this, but what is your, why, why are you doing this? Um, you know, I think for a lot of people, the why is just to, you know, help themselves and their families to make the best future for, for themselves that they can. And obviously that's important to me. I have six children. I'm a, you know, a family person that's very important. Um, but it's really about, you know, giving back, you know, how I can, if I know something and I learn something, I want to teach people, I want to be able to, to help other people. And I think through this vehicle of real estate, it's going to open up a lot more doors, more opportunities um, to be able to give back. Love it. Yeah, that's awesome. Yona, where can people find out more about you and see some of the ways that you are sharing and teaching others? Uh, the best place to find me is actually on LinkedIn. I'm very active on that platform uh, every day and very, very active. You can find, uh, you can go to my website, yonaweiss.com. Uh, obviously, our company, Madison Specs, that's uh, madisonspecs.com. You can find us there and um, check out 
on my podcast, uh, Weiss Advice. <laughs> love it. Love that name. That's a perfect name for, for that podcast. I love it. And we don't really talk at all about cost segregation on that podcast. So no, what's your focus? You're like, <laughs> <laughs> what's your focus? <laughs> it's, believe it or not, it's really just talking to successful people that I already know. Um, and just learning about them and kind of more like a talk show about like, just like yeah. learning about people and you cool. know, their experiences and stories. And yeah. And so both inside and outside of real estate, mostly almost everyone is within real estate. It is okay. somewhere or another. So it is related sure. to that. Those are just, you know, most of the people I know. So it, it just happens to work yeah. out that way. That's awesome. All right. So check Yona out on LinkedIn, on his website at Madison Specs and at Weiss Advice. Thank you so much, Yona. We really appreciate it. I learned a ton from this podcast. I think people are going to be really excited to hear someone talk through some of the details in a much simpler way than I think I've seen in any of the articles I've tried to look up. So we really appreciate you. Awesome. Thank you guys. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Thanks for tuning in to Multifamily Mavericks. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, leave us a rating and review, and share it with your friends. It helps us grow, which helps us find great guests, which in turn helps you grow. And don't forget to connect with us on LinkedIn or on Instagram at Multifamily Mavericks, at Daily Real Estate Investor, at Part-Time Empire. Join us next time to keep learning the multifamily game and scale up to financial freedom.